Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. Together, Cameron and I will talk about sanctification. It's a big word, but the idea is simple. Sanctification is the process of growing more and more like Jesus Christ. In other words, growing in holiness. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to unpack the basics of sanctification, what it is, what it isn't, and most importantly, who does the work in sanctification and who gets all the credit. Pastor Mark, I'm hoping we can talk about the doctrine of sanctification in this episode. We've had other episodes dedicated to kind of specific doctrines in the past, and I like doing that, just picking up one doctrine, pulling it apart a little bit. And sanctification is on my mind a lot because I struggle with it, and um, <laughs> maybe we all do. So I thought we could spend some time just defining what is the doctrine of sanctification Maybe we could look at a little of what scripture has to say about it. What does the reformed view have to say about it? And maybe even some pointers in the end, you know, how do we, how do we grow in our sanctification? So first off, what is the doctrine of sanctification? So sanctification is a fancy Latinate term that is what people are talking about when they talk about how to live the Christian life. Sanctification, the word, is, you know, the easiest way to get your head around it is to think, you know, the root word there is is the Latin sanctus, which means holy. Mm-hmm. So this is bad English, but you could think to yourself, holification, mm-hmm. or the process of being made holy. Okay. And so that is what the Christian life is all about. Another way of thinking about it is is the imitation of Christ, being made into the image of Christ, following after Christ in his footsteps, that sort of thing. So all of those terms are ways that we talk about how are we supposed to live once we are believers in Jesus Christ. And that's the territory okay. that this word sanctification really stakes out. So when you think about it, This is one of those areas where I think like reformed theology has a very different and very liberating view of how sanctification works. So let me just kind of lay that out in, in at a very high level, just so that we can have that foundation. So we distinguish between justification and sanctification, right? And, And I think this is true for, for certainly for all evangelical Christians, right? That that's a, an easy thing to determine. So justification is God's declaration of our being made just in Jesus Christ. And that is clearly an act of God. It's an act of his free grace. It's God saving us, right? It's not something we do. Uh, Our justification is by faith. It is not through our own merit or our own works. The question is, okay, then what? After I'm justified, how do I actually live? And I think the way a lot of people would answer that question is, 
my salvation, my justification, that is by grace, not by works. But now that I have been saved, a new chapter begins. And in that chapter, it is now about works, right? I need to do works. Some people would say I need to do works in order to remain saved, right? not to lose what God has, has begun in me. Others would say, no, no, I, I can't lose what God has given me, but now I must do work to show my gratitude for what he has done. But in both of those cases, the person doing the work is you. And the, the power, like the, the energy for it, is yours. Where Reformed theology gives us, I think, a refreshing view of sanctification, though, is that sanctification, like justification, is also seen as a work of God. It is a work of God's grace. It is something the Holy Spirit is working within us. And yes, it does involve work. It does involve obedience. But even our work and our obedience, we acknowledge, is the result of the Spirit working in us. So we see sanctification as just as gracious, as just as, as spirit-driven as any other aspect of our salvation. So it's not that God does his gracious part and then leaves us to work out the rest, but that we work out our salvation, as Paul says, in fear and trembling, because it is God who works in us to will and do his good pleasure. And so our view of sanctification is... Is, is very different. You know, it is about what God is doing in us. I think back to my readings in Calvin, and he had this phrase in the Latin, duplex gratia, I believe, which means double grace. And he talked about these two doctrines in that way, that justification and sanctification are a kind of double grace from God. And I, I think what he meant was just what you're saying, which is that God does not justify someone, grant them the gift of justification through faith and not also give them the, the gift of sanctification so that they're, they're always both received as right. gifts. And part of that is because like sin is a bigger problem than people think. Yeah. You know, and, and, and our belief that God is the author of salvation from beginning to end is connected to our view of sin as, as an all-encompassing problem that requires a much bigger solution than just God doing some of the work, you know, or getting the ball rolling or, or anything like that. So, so in that sense, the process of being made holy over time has to be a work of God's grace because if it were just up to us, we wouldn't achieve it. Now, the Westminster Confession does offer some interesting insights into sanctification that, that I think are really helpful. And one of them is it acknowledges that sanctification is progressive in the life of a believer. So it's not like you suddenly come to Christ and, and are perfect, right? You know, that you are suddenly, you, like you level up immediately, that there is time involved, and it's also a task which will not be completed in this life. Like no one will attain to anything like spiritual perfection in this life. But the spirit is at work 
in all those who are saved, and there is some degree of sanctification, but another one of these qualifiers, the confessional say, it, it varies yeah. from person to person. And so you might look at one believer and see like night and day transformation and say, wow, the spirit is definitely at work in him. And then look at another and, and you're like, maybe I see something. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. Maybe there's something there. Yeah. And so it isn't necessarily something that we can judge externally. And, and that's true, not just looking from the outside, but for you as a believer right. as well, yeah. you know, that on the one hand, of course, we look at uh, our lives and we look to see uh, fruit, right? Spiritual fruit. We look to see signs of repentance and change in our lives and that's something scripture encourages us to do. But on the other hand, there is a kind of morbid introspection that's possible where I, I look at myself and I over scrutinize and, 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 you know, I don't find enough evidence of change and, and it can be a bad thing. Yeah. Right. And so I think the confession in a sense lets us off the wheel of self flagellation in that sense and and says look the spirit works differently in different people i mean this is something that's in god's hands and and it's not for us to judge the the rate or the extent of the movement of the spirit yeah. you know i think that's where it's really helpful to have that distinction a clear distinction between justification and sanctification too because justification is not progressive or something right. that isn't completely finalized in this life, but is is one and done kind of a thing, you know? Right. And so you may even you may question your your growth in sanctification, but can be assured that it's grounded in the gift of justification, which is the gift of God, right? Exactly. And I think that's the the key is that um, there's a phrase you'll you hear people say sometimes that that this guy is relying on his sanctification for his justification. And what it means is you've internalized this idea that in order to please God, you have to produce righteousness and that you're telling yourself that your works, if they're good enough, will save you. That in a sense, by following Jesus, you will become like a believer in Christ, if that mm -hmm. makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. but it's the other way around. You know, that we're accepted in Christ and then we come to be more and more conformed to his image over time. And and all of that is part of this gracious work of salvation. You know, whether we're talking about um, election, uh, effectual calling, regeneration, justification, sanctification, perseverance in the faith or ultimately glorification, all of that, these are like subpoints under the heading of salvation, right? So, so there's a sense in which we have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved because of those different aspects of that one work. Yeah. But that work is God's from beginning to end. It's just that in these various phases, so to speak, he works differently and sometimes differently in different people as well. So, so we don't look at our lives and see like slow sanctification and use that as a grounds to doubt our justification. Mm -hmm. 
obviously a, a life without repentance. I mean, we shouldn't be presumptuous, you know, and if, if we haven't turned from our sin, we shouldn't just assume, well, I guess I'm fine because I prayed the prayer. Like we, there should be genuine repentance. But once that happens, we don't have to live lives of constant doubt. Yeah. You know, the, the, the confession in its chapter on assurance of salvation has a way of speaking about assurance where it says assurance is a wonderful gift, but it's not of the essence of salvation. So that a person who isn't assured of salvation, um, that doesn't mean that they don't possess it, mm -hmm. right? It's possible to possess it, but never feel that sense of absolute security. And I think there's a similar kind of objective, subjective thing going on in, in sanctification as well. You know, we're consciously, you know, looking at our progress and it can be difficult sometimes to be satisfied with how little yeah. there is. You say it's, it's a thing we struggle with, but the thing we must do is apply ourselves to the means of grace that we've been given is trust in the work of the spirit over time. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, when I, when I was first learning about these things, sanctification, I remember, is it the, the fifth point of the five points of Calvinism, which is the perseverance of the saints mm -hmm. sometimes referred to as once saved, always saved, or, you know, it's, it's related to that idea. And when I first heard that, I was, I was confused and a little bit frustrated because what it sounded like was, well, God's going to sanctify you or, or save you, whether you like it or not, right. you know, whether you participate or not, or, you know, Paul in Philippians, that verse where he's, he's, he's assuring the, the Christians there that what God had started in them, he's going to, he's going to bring to completion. And so I guess where this can go wrong is when we start to think that, like I just said, God is going to sanctify us, whether, whether we like it or not. Yeah. So I think it, Although we often speak as if the perseverance of the saints and once saved, always saved are synonymous, they're actually very different ideas, Okay, right? Once saved, always saved is, is more like if I've prayed the prayer and I really meant it, then no matter what happens after that, no matter how I live, I can be assured that I'm saved and I will die and go to heaven, mm -hmm. right? And so this is uh, a comfort that we sometimes take. Like if, if, you know, oh, this guy came to church, you know, and he you know, said he believed in Jesus, but now he says he doesn't believe in Jesus and he's living this immoral life, but once saved, always saved, he prayed the prayer. So ultimately huh. he'll be good. That's not what the perseverance of the saints is. I mean, literally as the term suggests, uh, those who are saints will actually persevere in faith hmm. that, through the power of the spirit, those who are the saints, those who are God's people will continue in faith, although they are tested and tried, although they will, as the confession says, sometimes succumb to uh, the effects of sin for a season. And, and it may seem as if they have walked away from that faith, that they will ultimately persevere in it. And so that is different, you know, and it, it's more of a, an objective assurance and it, it connects to those words of Paul that you were just quoting that, that the perseverance of the saints is just saying that, that God will finish what he has begun. Mm -hmm. That if he has 
awakened you, if he has justified you, if he is sanctifying you, then you can have confidence that, that you will persevere in faith and ultimately be glorified because he won't stop doing the thing that he has begun. Okay. And so that's how it all goes together. But you can, you can detect as I'm saying that, that, wow, that really makes it sound pretty God centric. Right. You know, that at what point does it stop being God and start being me? And, you know, the, the reality is that, that, that isn't a thing in salvation. You don't come to that point because you need God at every step. And yet you just mentioned the means of grace and perhaps that's where human agency comes in, in important ways and, and God's agency, of course, you know, where they're almost colliding and God's grace coming to us through his word. That's the paradox, right? Because you know, you hear what I'm saying and it may sound like I'm saying, oh, wait, so you're saying, you know, let God do it. Don't you do it? <laughs> but that's not what Paul says. You know, Paul says, do it because it is God doing it in you. And so we, we acknowledge that there is this level of human agency. And we just say that behind that is God working. So in sanctification, it's not that I'm not obeying, that I'm not following after Christ. I am. And to the extent that I ever managed to do that well, I have to look at that and say, well, that is the spirit working in me, right? So yeah, I have to do the obedience that is required of me, but I don't get credit for it. Like there's, there's never a point where through that work, I have accrued merit in the eyes of God, because even the ability to do that work, that's something he's giving to me as a gift. And so Really, the way to think about it is that even here in sanctification, where it seems that we are most active, we are still utterly dependent upon God for every bit of it. And there is no either or equation. Like you can't go through it and sort out like what's the stuff God did and what's the stuff I did? Like what did he contribute and what did I contribute? It was all his contribution, including the stuff I contributed. (laughs) Well, I, I think that's good news, you know, and, and an encouragement to, to all of us as we, as we seek to become more holy, you know, to be set apart, like that word means. Um, it's not despite our efforts, it's not because of our efforts. It's the grace of God and it's rooted in this, this comforting act of, of justification as well. Exactly. And, and it is good news and it is good news, especially when you feel that you're most powerless. Yeah. And, you know, obviously any, any time that we're sort of being philosophical and we're looking to sort of defend the rights of human autonomy and that sort of thing, um, we can really get our hackles up when we start talking about, you know, God's agency and, and not giving, you know, man his due credit and that sort of thing. But in our moments of weakness, in our moments where we feel like we're sinking, right, then like Peter, we're like, Lord, save me. Yeah. And suddenly all of our philosophical qualms are, are done away with. We just want to know that, that he is good and loves us and, and we can trust him even when we can't trust ourselves. And that's the good news. That's the relief of it all, that the part of the Christian life that so many of us are most anxious about, like, will I live it well? Will I be obedient the way I should? Will I be as good a Christian as I've been called to be? Will I ever measure up to that standard that has been set, all of that anxiety, you can set aside 
because this too is a work of grace and you can trust in God to do everything that, that is needful in your Christian life. And essentially through that process of sanctification, learn to rely on him more and more and be more and more dependent upon him. You know, so what began in justification, that sort of moment of faith, that moment of trust becomes a life of faith and a life of trust as we constantly seek to obey, constantly are reintroduced to the limits of our obedience and forced to rely more and more on the power of the Spirit. So I think that is why, like a fancy word like sanctification shouldn't be terrifying to us, why the idea of living the Christian life doesn't need to be some sort of moralistic enterprise where we convince ourselves that that now by the grace of God we are good people, better than everybody else. And and I think that but instead that this life that we live in Christ can be a classroom of humility and uh, it teaches us to be more and more dependent or, or at least more conscious of our dependence on him. And and that is how sanctification becomes sanctifying. Right? That is is that, that sense of our awareness of, of his greatness and his holiness, that is the path to greater holiness in us. Thanks for listening to this special episode on sanctification. We plan to dig a little deeper in next week's show. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.